I want to continue in our message today as we are looking at being joyful. I think of any time in history we need to practice uh, the principles of joy. And they are not something that are natural or, or something that comes from us, but it is something that God himself gives. Um, and it is, uh, it is as we say yes to God and step into his plan, and as we begin to yield our life to follow him in every way, then he begins uh, to pour that joy into us. Uh, but he does give us some principles that we can follow uh, to put into action uh, along the way. Um, uh, and, and, and this book of Philippians that we're looking at is a great model for us uh, from a man who went through much worse circumstances than what we're going through. And in fact, we think we are quarantined and locked up. Paul was literally locked up. And it says many times that he was in chains. I mean, not just locked up, but in chains. And um, yet... He was joyful, and yet he responded not in woe is me and not in pity and not in complaint uh, and he, not even encouraging other people to uprise and free him, but yet he just simply responded in love and joy and encouragement. How could he do that? And, and so we're looking at that uh, through the book of Philippians, and he explains uh, some of the principles that are at work at, within him. Uh, so let's, let's read uh, where we've started and through where we're going to look at today. So Philippians chapter 1, uh, let's just start in, in verse 1, and uh, we're going to read uh, through verse 8 uh, today. It says, Paul and Timothy, bondservants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi, with the bishops and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Just as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I have you all in my heart. Inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. So we're going to look at this, this last part that we just read uh, today from uh, verse 7. Um, a couple key words as, as we read this, um, uh, just real quickly, we'll go over it, and I want to point out some key words that, that we're going to bring out that, that um, uh, Paul is stating about his attitude and what's going on within him. Um, in verse 7, he says, just as it is right for me to think this of you all. In other words, I think about you all in this way. The word think there is the word phroneo. And the word phroneo is not just to think about you. Oh, I was thinking about you the other day. That's not what it is. It is a deep um, uh, mindset. 
uh, and feeling. It is a place of emotions and uh, uh, even conscience um, that, that uh, is, is deep within me. It has to do with the affections. So when I think of you, he's not just saying I think of you, but I have these deep affections for you. And so this phroneo, and it's all based on a mindset. In other words, it's, it's, even though it is affections and emotions, it is a choice. I choose uh, to feel this way about you because I have set my mind uh, to think of you in that way. And so it says uh, whether I'm in chains or not. So it does not matter on his circumstance. He says, I think of you in this way. Um, then it goes on and it says, because I have you in my heart in as much as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. Um, and here's another key word here. It says, uh, as, as I have you in my heart, you are partakers with me of grace. The word there, partakers, uh, very similar to the word that we looked at uh, last week uh, is the word uh, koinos, very close to koinonia. Um, so remember we said koinonia was to be a partner, that we have partnership in, in this. Koinos, it, it has the same thing. He says, um, you are partakers with me. In other words, we have something in common. So he's saying, I have you in my heart not because of all the difference, because there's lots of differences. See, I could choose to look at all the differences that we have. You know, you like sports, I like music. Um, uh, you're a Democrat, I'm a Republican. See, Paul is saying, I don't care about all those differences. We need to focus on, we have something deep in common. And it is the, it is the commonality of grace that is what put you in my heart. See, whether, you know what, whether it is those that annoy me, whether it is those that, you know what, uh, uh, are always getting under my skin, I look past that because we are partakers in grace. And this grace is a common thing that is greater than all the differences. And so therefore, I focus on this, this common ground that we have. And then he goes on a third uh, area. He says, for God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Um, this word affection, I have affection. I long for you with affection. Um, he's saying um, there's this love within me. Uh, but it's not just, again, it's not just his e emotions um, or uh, feelings, the word affection there uh, is a, uh, a strange word. Uh, it is the word splachnon, splachnon. I have, uh, I have this affection uh, in my splachnon. Uh, the word splachnon uh, means bowels or intestines. You might, what in the world? So he's basically saying, I long for you with my intestines. Um, uh, my very bowels uh, feel for you. What does that mean? Uh, in that day and age, uh, very similar to what we would say 
is I feel it in my guts. Okay, See, that's how we would say it. But it's literally the bowels and the intestines. In fact, that's where they saw the very seat of affection coming from, that it came from your guts, which is very true. That's how we see it, that it's, it's not even, this is different from the mindset. Um, see, the, the phroneo was the mindset, but he says, not only do I long for you because I choose to, but I also long for you with my guts. But it's not his guts. It says, with the affection of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, what's affecting me is not how I feel about you. So it's really not my guts, but with the guts of Christ. You see, he's saying, uh, as God is my witness, I can feel the same way that Christ feels about you. I understand that in the very guts of Christ, you are special. And if you were that special to Christ, uh, then I am going to adopt that same affection. And, and so these three um, terms are real important that I think we need to look because it is, it is because of these three things that he was able to say, I have this love for you. And it is because he had this love for them that, that there was a joy that came up within him. Uh, you see, when, when we walk in love and affection and care, how many know that there's that feeling of joy? It, it is when we focus on uh, bitterness and hurt or annoyance or frustration, you know, that eats away our joy. So if we're going to have joy, we need to learn how to love one another. So this is what Paul is saying. My joy comes from this love that I have from you. Now, there's another thing that, that if you notice, and I'm sure you noticed as we read this, there is something that is repeated over and over and over. In fact, uh, it, it, it's actually said four times, but we're going to look at three times. He uses this phrase, all of you, all of you, um, or you all. Um, he, he repeats this. Um, you know, he says, uh, it is right for me to think of this, of all of you. Because I have all of you in my heart. Um, and he says, uh, in, the in the confirmation of the gospel, all of you are partakers with me. And again, it says, I long for all of you. So he says this over and over. And we know in the Bible that when there is repetition, um, it, is, it is on purpose. That it is to emphasize that this is really true. You know, if you just say it once, yeah, I'm saying it, but, you know, there, there can be exceptions, and, and sometimes it's not true. But when you say it three times, it is true. It's just like when Jesus said, verily, verily, I say to you. And he's saying, this is really true. Paul is saying, I really love all of you. I'm not just saying this. Many times we think, is this really true? Is Paul really saying that he loves all of them? I mean, come on, let's be honest. Uh, you can love the church and group everyone together in a group. Is he saying that, that when he says all of you, is he just grouping everyone in the church together? Even though you know that even within a body, uh, I mean, we all know it, even in our families. We love our family, but there's always that one person in the family that, oh, you know what, I love them, but they just get on my nerves. Uh, you know, they just get under my skin. Uh, there is... Same thing in, in the church, or, or there's the, that person that, 
man, I just heard that same story over and over again. And every time I see him, he's going to have this. Or there's those people that just drain you. You know, uh, they don't give you energy. They drain your energy because every time you see them, there's always a problem. There's always something that it just is draining to be around them, right? We all have that. Let's be honest. Um, we have those people. And yet Paul is saying, no, I love all of you, even those people that have hurt me. Because I'm sure there's people that, that didn't support him. He said, I love you. I long for you. Uh, I am a partaker with you. Um, how can he say that? I mean, we struggle to like the people that like us. We struggle sometimes to love those that are just like us. And so how can Paul truly have the joy within him to say, I love all of you? Now, this is key because we have, need, we have got to start to develop this. We need to deal with this issue because I know there are some people in your life that you cannot say, I have this mindset that I choose to love you. There's people that you are struggling uh, with uh, saying that you're a partaker with me because you don't feel anything in common. There are those that you definitely cannot say uh, that I have the affection of Christ for you. Um, so how can he say this? Um, there are three big ideas, and, and I want to focus on it, that allow Paul to say this, and these are, these are Christological principles, and these are things that Christ has taught us, um, and they are main principles, and these principles have shaped who Paul is. The only reason that Paul can say, I love you all, is not because he's a better person than us. You know, that's how many of us think, well, that was Paul. You know, he was, he was the apostle, and, and man, you know, he met Christ himself, and, and I just can't do that. That's not the reason why. It was not because he was better than us, but it was because he chose to be shaped and molded by these biblical principles that he brought into his life. And so we can also take these principles and begin to apply them to our heart and to our mind. And out of those, if we will let them shape who we are. Now, that means you have to be changed. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to let these principles mold you. Uh, but when you do, they bring joy. Um, and they bring the ability to do what you could never do before. So let's look at these. The first uh, uh, big principle uh, is this idea of cycles. Now, what do I mean by cycles? We see this over and over again. It, it's actually the idea of the renewal of life. Um, it is this idea that everything works by this principle of renewal. Uh, we see it in our body. Uh, you may not be aware of it, and, and uh, most of you probably know this, but your skin is flaking off all the time. Um, it is constantly, uh, little sails of your skin are flaking off um, and, and you don't even see them. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, if you haven't known this, something like 80% of dust is actually human skin in your house. I know that sounds a little gross, uh, but it is the truth that it is accumulating and constantly flaking off. Uh, but here's the thing. Even though your skin is constantly flaking off, dying, 
It is constantly being replaced and renewed. Uh, and there is new skin uh, taking its place. Um, and this is an awesome uh, thought. And, and I think uh, the statistics are that every 30 days, you have a whole new skin. So every month, the skin that you have is not the skin that you had last month. It has totally been replaced. That's amazing that we have a whole new skin every 30 days. But it's not just the skin. They, they say that all the cells in our body is dying and being replaced, um, uh, including our organs, uh, our heart cells, our liver cells. Um, and, and so they say that uh, it is about every seven years, we basically have a completely new body. Uh, the cells themselves are new cells that were not there seven years ago. Um, the only thing that does not change is our brain cells. Uh, our brain cells are the only ones that, that uh, uh, when they die, they do not replace. Um, now, thank God we have millions of them that we are not using, so they just step up and, and uh, become used as one dies. Um, but it is a miraculous principle that God created us in this, this wonderful way um, of death turns into life, and out of death comes life. Um, and, and that is a key principle. In fact, that's how everything works. Um, look around uh, even creation. Uh, you look at the world. It's a natural cycle of the seasons. Um, uh, you have the summertime, which we're in now, where everything is alive, although where we are, it's so hot that it seems like it's uh, wilting everything. But summer is still that, that, that time of life. But it naturally comes to fall when things begin to uh, uh, be cut off and die and fall to the ground. The leaves fall, uh, and then it turns into winter uh, where everything uh, is seemingly dead, um, at least in other places of the world. Um, and that's the natural tendency. And then out of that death of winter comes spring, the birth, the rebirth. And, and so we even see it in the cosmos, in, in, in the natural course of things. We see it uh, in agriculture. Uh, of course, we're very familiar with that, that uh, Jesus himself uh, said that, that a seed must die that it might bring forth life. Um, and and um, uh, it says this in John chapter 12, verse 24 and 25, he says this, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it and have eternal life. And so there's this concept of renewal out of death. Uh, we see in Galatians chapter 2, verse 18 to 20, it says this, For if I build again those things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I, through the law, died to the law that I might live to God. And here's the famous verse, for I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ now lives in me. And the life which I live in the flesh, I live 
by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You see, Paul was shaped by this idea that out of death comes life. And he recognizes that I have died to myself. We need to begin to embrace this this sense that I need to die to myself. And it's not a fearful thing because I know that if I die to myself, new life is going to spring forth. And, And so I seek the new life. I gladly lay down my life now to receive the new life because the new life is better. Um, It says, blessed is the man who hates this life now because he receives life. In Colossians chapter three, uh, verse one to four says this, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things of the earth for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So here's that great principle. We need to let that thought sink in so much that I have died. I'm going to give up my own feelings. You know what? It's natural for me to be bitter, to be hurt, to be annoyed, to be frustrated, to not like someone. But I need to die to that because I have died with Christ. And he has made me new. I have a renewed life. And and so this shaped who Paul was. And because of that, he was able to say, you know what? It's no longer me. I don't care what I feel. I choose to have a mindset that I will love you. Because I'm new. God has renewed me. And and, and so that was was a foundation of who he is. We need to make that a foundation. We need to constantly, every day, die to ourselves and let God raise us up to new life. That means a new mindset. That means uh, a new gut within us of how we feel about things. But we gladly die to our own self that we might be raised with Christ. Well, here's the second uh, principle uh, that Paul was shaped by. And this is an awesome principle uh, to think about. And this is the idea of conduits. Uh, So cycles and now conduits. Uh, conduit. What is a conduit? A conduit is something that carries something. Um, many of you know it's used mostly in, in the idea of electrician. Um, uh, they use conduit uh, to carry the electrical wires to the switch where you can uh, plug in and get the electricity. So the conduit is what makes available the electricity. It carries it. It is filled with the wires and everything that carries it so that other people can have access to this great power, okay? And and so this is the idea uh, even with us. So even though that is, we see that in our normal world that there are conduits. uh, uh, We also see conduits of, in in our valley, uh, of irrigation. Uh, We have the canals and thank God for the canals because the canals are what bring the water to a place that would have never produced life But because of the conduit of the canal, it brought water and life and it it gave fruit to great produce and and production that feeds the world. So here's the thing. So what is he saying about us? Um, He is saying that you need to realize it's not just about your salvation. We get so worried. Am I saved? Am I saved? Are you saved? Are they going to heaven? 
God is not worried about you going to heaven. He wants to make you a conduit. You, Jesus died so that you uh, could be used for a purpose, not just so that you can go to heaven. If you're just living, okay, well, I'm, I'm okay, I'm in heaven. You're missing the very purpose of your life that is grand because you are a conduit. And without you, there would be death in many places. There are places that are longing for the life of the water or for the power of the electricity. And if yet all we're doing is worried about our salvation, we are letting other people uh, die and we are negating our purpose. Here's what it says in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. It says, And he, God, put all things under his feet, being Jesus. And he gave him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Here's what he's saying. He's saying he, he created this thing called the church. And the church is you and me. It's not a building. We are all the church. And here's the great thing, that if you are part of the church, then the fullness of Christ dwells in you. It says that in the church, all the fullness of him is filled up. Jesus wants to fill you up with the fullness of Christ. Now, why? And this is why Christ said, it's better for me to go away because Christ is not with us right now. And he did that on purpose so that he could reach way more people through us because Christ is in us. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, verse 3 to 6 says this, clearly you are an epistle of Christ ministered by us, written not with ink, but by the spirit of the living God not on tablets of stone, but written on tablets of flesh that is of the heart. And we have such trust through Christ toward God, not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think anything or to be anything in ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who made us sufficient and has made us ministers of the new covenant not of the letter, but of the Spirit. You see, what he's saying is, we're not anything. But here's the great thing. God has given us a purpose. He has made us ambassadors. We are a letter written to the world uh, because we are filled with his Spirit. God wants to put our Spirit in it, and his Spirit is in us so that we can take it to those around us. Um, we need to understand that we are the letter. It's like if you had a letter uh, of uh, uh, great hope and promise, and yet you never gave it to the person that the person wrote it for. How sad that that person never heard the letter that they would have longed for. We have the ability to deliver that letter. And yet many of us are just living for ourselves, and the letters of God are just staying with us. We are meant to be conduits. We are meant to be deliverers uh, of this great news, this gospel hope, this love, okay? The love of God uh, that we are to share with others. Um, one final scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18 to 21. 
It says, now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. We love that part, that we have been reconciled to Jesus. But look what it says. But he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses against them, but forgiving them. And now he has committed to us this word of reconciliation. Now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. Be reconciled to God. You see, God's, God's very presence is in this creation. But the people in this world uh, cannot access it unless we who have that grace, that presence of God, begin to understand that we are the conduits. We are the, 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 the things that bring the power of God to the world that bring the love of God to the world. And so Paul realized that, you know what, it's not about me. Oh my goodness. He said, I'm just a piece of metal. I'm just a tube. And so however I feel about someone, who cares about that? It's more important of what I have in me, what I can offer that person. And we need to, if we start to see ourselves as the conduit that God has placed in the world. Now, how many know that you need more than one conduit? You might say, well, that's for the pastor. Well, the pastor can only reach someplace. If, how would you like to just have electricity in your bathroom? And we say, well, that's for the bathroom. No, you need electricity in your living room. I want electricity in my kitchen. I want electricity in the garage. So this is why all of us need to be the conduit of God that is going to reach people with the love of God and the grace of God that will make a difference. And this is why Paul was able to say, I'm going to love you all. Because I realize that it's not about me, but I am a conduit of God's grace. He has filled me with this amazing presence. And, and when you begin to realize that you are that special, that you carry the very presence of God, if you have said yes to Jesus, then your job is to do more than just live your life and wait for heaven. It should overflow out of you. There should be a love for others because that's your job to take that love to others, no matter how you feel. But I'm going to choose to do this. And in so doing, it brings joy to you. I'm telling you, this is how we unlock the joy within us when we realize that I am a conduit of God. What greater thing to be joyful. God, you would choose me to deliver this message to people around me. And it doesn't mean preaching. Sometimes it can just be loving them and encouraging them, and, and, and just shining God to them. Well, the third principle that shaped Paul, and this is what allowed him to say, I love all of you, is this idea of creation. Uh, this idea of creation that, that you know what? Um, everything that we are and everything that we experience is, is not something that I earn, that I have done, I have not uh, 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 made this happen, but it is all only by the power of God. Um, it is not something that I can work at and make happen. I cannot say, okay, I'm going to love these people. I'm just going to really work on loving these people. No, that's not going to happen. 
Here's what Paul understood. God is the one that creates us. And God is the one that gives us power uh, to do this. And, and so I just simply recognize that, God, I need your created power in me. We talked about this last week. When, when, when Paul said, I believe that he who started a good work in you is going to complete it. Um, remember, we talked about that. That says, if you have said yes to Christ, you have the very power of creation within you. Because it's not about what you did, and it's not about what you can do, but it's about what God can do, that he speaks into your life, and he can change everything. Remember, he said, let there be light, and the darkness was gone. You may be filled with bitterness. You may be filled uh, with just, man, I just don't want to be with that person. But if we will say yes to God, God can speak love into your heart. And we need to seek that. We need to yield ourselves to the creation of God. God, make me something more than what I am myself. I desire to be something better and, and even different than what I am. Um, and this is, this is what God says. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, Verse 10, we all know this verse. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, we need to understand that we are his workmanship. We are his creation. It's not about what we want. It's not about what I think my purpose is. I say, God, what have you created for me? Let me do what you want. And it says that he has created us for good works that he planned for us. It is through the creation of God that he is able to touch our heart. He is able to touch our guts. Because in our guts, we don't feel that way. But we need to say, God, create in me. This is what David said, create in me a new heart. We need to say, God, create in me a new guts, a new love, a new affection. And God will do it. Because we realize that it's no longer me. Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. We need to understand this. And this is a principle that when we begin to just accept this principle, it changes how we think about things. It says, for by him, Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, dominions, principalities, or powers. All things were created through him. And look at this and for him. We not, we're not only created by him, I am created for him. You see, the beauty in this world is, is not just to exist, but it is for the pleasure of God. And, and when God finds pleasure, we find pleasure. Because it is in his pleasure that he created us, and we partake in that pleasure. But we need to understand that we were created for him. And, and, and when we realize that he created, it is not about us. It, it is not about, I mean, we get so caught up in my desires, what I like to do. And that's great because God gives us our desires. But it, it says in the Bible that if we will delight ourselves in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. 
Not, not just that he will give us everything that we desire, but he will give us new desires that will fulfill us more than even the old desires. Um, and we won't miss those old desires. We, we're always afraid to do that because I'm like, well, but I don't want to lose this. I, I'm glad that God would give me a new desire, but I don't want to lose that. You know what? You will not miss. Whenever God does something in your heart, it will never be to your detriment. And he will never bring regret or uh, loss into your life. When he gives you a new godly desire, I'm telling you, it will not only uh, take the place of those old desires, you will look back and say, why would I ever want that old desire over this anyway? Because it is so great. So delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you these desires. Um, we need to understand that we are his creation. And, and if we yield ourselves to the creation of God, we can then begin to love even the unlovely. So these three principles shaped who Paul was. So because Paul recognized, you know what? There, I have been renewed out of death. Um, it is no longer I who live, but it is Christ in me. Uh, it is because of that that he could have a new mindset. He could realize the commonality that we share in this great renewal of life. Uh, and he could have the very uh, affection of Christ because he realized that I am new, that God has made me new. Not only that, but he said he realized that he was a conduit of God. Man, I have something to give. So how could I hold back from someone just because they annoy me at times? Just because they're a little bit different from me? He said, no, I am a conduit of God. And so therefore, I'm going to give my love. I'm going to choose to, in my mind, set my mind to think about that person in a new way. And then not only am I a conduit, but I am a new creation. So yes, I feel this way, but I believe that God can create in me a new heart and he's going to give me his heart. So that's why Paul could say, I love you with the affection of Christ because I'm a new creation. And now I can understand that Christ loved you so much that I'm going to love you too. And so when he began to put these three principles into place, Paul was able to say, I think of you, I froneo you all. I have a mindset that I am going to choose to love all of you. All of you. Do you love all of those around you? We need a new mindset. He said, I am able to thank you and have you in my heart because we are partakers of this grace. Because you know what? No matter how we rub against each other the wrong way, we are, we are conduits of Christ. And we have a great ministry. So how can I not deliver to you what God has put in me? And not only that, but he says, because I am a creation of God, God is able to create in me a new feeling and he's able to create in you. You see, Paul was able to love all of them because he saw that even that part that, that has hurt me, God can create something new in you. And I believe that God can heal and that God is going to do it. So therefore, I'm going to choose to love you because I believe that God who started a good work in you is still working on you. So who am I to hold that against you? Who am I to, to be bitter against something that's not done? So I see in you something that God is still creating 
And I choose to love that. So I want to ask you today. If Paul could say, I love you all. I long for you all. I I am a partaker with you all. Who in your life right now could you not say that about? I think this is where we need to really address this. Who in your life can you say, I don't have a mindset of thinking of them in a good way? Let's be honest. There's someone that, that, you know, you just struggle. Whenever you think of them, not good thoughts come to your mind. Bad thoughts. And maybe not bad thoughts, but maybe thoughts like, I just, I'm going to go to the other side of the street. I, I avoid them just because I just don't want, you know what? That's not good. God it never created us to, to have that. So who in our life do we need to begin to change our mindset and begin to say, God, I'm going to choose to think of this person in a way of uh, uh, goodness and favor and honor. And then not only that, but who in your life do you struggle? You need God to give you a new koinos, that you need to realize that there is a common grace. Who in your life have you focused on the differences too much? Man, in our nation, there's too much of that, right? We are so split because of the differences. Um, we need the healing of koinos in our nation. We need to put our differences aside and begin to say we have a common grace. Jesus died for all of us, and we are all in the same position. So we need to put our petty problems aside and begin to embrace this common grace that Jesus has for us. But beyond that bigger issue, who in your life are there differences that are overshadowing the common grace that you need to begin to say, God, let me begin to have a common connection that I can focus on, that we can celebrate. And then finally, I want you to ask yourself, who do you just not have an affection for? You cannot say, I have the affection of Christ in my guts for you. And you need to pray, God, give me some new guts for this person. Give me some new affection. Maybe I've lost it. I've just, like the song says, I've lost that loving feeling. But God can renew it. God can flow through you and create that. But you have to be willing to acknowledge it, that God, I need this. Who is it? That, that, that needs to feel the affection, not because of you feel, but you need to realize that Jesus has that affection for them. Jesus loves them, and so therefore I need to have the guts of Christ within me. Who is it in your life that you need to bring into the you all so that you can say, I love you all? Let's not leave anyone out of that. We need to be people that bring everyone into that, that we can, like Paul, say, I long for you all. And it is because he could say, I long for you all. When you can finally say, I long for you all, you know what's going to happen? You are going to start to experience the joy of the Lord. Because the love begins to push aside everything that blocks your joy. And so I pray for all of us that we can begin 
to bring these principles into our life and begin to say, God, let me love all that you have put in my life so that I can just live in the joy of the Lord. And when we do that, it does not only change us, but what could happen in the world when we begin to be the people that bring renewal out of death, that are the conduits of life to the world, that begin to shine creation of what could be around us. I love you all. Let's say that, and let's let it be real because of what God has done for us. Let's pray.